Handle on the News. Handle on the News! My meeting with Bill Handel was honest, direct, and productive. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right, here we go. Handel, it is uh, Thursday right after uh, July 4th. And uh, let me see what we're going to talk about today. A lot of news is happening today. Let me go through the top trending stories here. Nothing, nothing, and nothing. Nothing. News uh, after the major holidays, there isn't much there. No, there's some. There's some. that We're going to do a story of uh, how many reindeer there are in Lapland. Uh, That's very controversial. 47,312. Well, there you go. Now you don't need to do this story. All right, now we know what to do that story, right? A woman has a talking clam in Alaska. It's a pet clam, very unusual. Uh, It's... uh, Every night I put in a, a list of stories and uh, <laughs> that I send to the you know newsroom or whatever. Last night's was titled Yikes. <laughs> Yikes? It was titled Yikes because normally the list has 25 or 30 stories that I'm like, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. Right. This is a good one. It last night had seven. Actually, there are <laughs> some big stories we're going to cover. Uh, the uh, One of them is uh, the Thai boys. That's the international yeah. story, uh, trying to figure out a rescue on that one. And it's not looking really good in terms of the rescue. It's a mess. We'll talk about that. Also, there's an abandoned boy out there, autistic young boy, who is uh, he is uh, deaf. He's not blind, is he? No. no. He's not no. Helen Keller. He is uh, can't speak. Uh, and he's autistic, and I think he's deaf, too. So, oh, he's not deaf? Okay, so they just figured out he's not deaf. All right. So uh, there's that story, and then uh, the Statue of Liberty lady, crazy lady, who's up on the Statue of Liberty uh, just protesting. I don't even what was she protesting. Oh, the separation of families. That was it. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. It's hilarious uh, when they talk about release all the kids in detention. Right? That's a big issue. They haven't gone so far as figuring out, release them to whom and where do you release them? Well, they haven't quite gone that far, have they? Uh, just some traffickers showing up and saying, I'm dad. So, uh, And then they're using DNA, and people are really upset about how dare you use DNA to test whether there's a familiar connection. So anyway, I guess there is some stuff going on. So uh, first story coming up, 7 o'clock, Lapland. Uh, we'll be doing uh, that because I don't think the numbers are correct. Oh, controversy Whoa. about reindeers in Lapland. Yeah, Fantastic. Sorry. All right. Good morning. Uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. Hi, Andal. Hey, there's. I'm, okay. It was a binge watching day yesterday. Oh, okay. Uh, you guys were here, right? Of yes. Course. All right. And Alex was here. John was here. Yeah, we were all here. Okay. Uh, well, not all of us. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough row, isn't when it? When we say we. That does not include you. Uh, that's that's true. When I say we, that does not include when you. When you say we, that's only referring to yourself. That's, it's the royal we. Yes. yes we what are, did you binge watch? Uh, what did we finish up? There was a documentary that we watched um, uh, that I forget already. Wow, oh, it was that called, good. No, called Money. And it's um, it was a documentary about uh, different aspects of uh, major crime issues. Oh, uh, I think I saw that one. With uh, one of them being uh, Big Pharma. Yeah. The other one being Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, it was um, just fascinating about how we are getting ripped off. I mean, big time. 
Uh, and they included Donald Trump in terms of ripping us off or ripping not us. Well, I guess now that he's president, I guess the argument a lot of people have is yes. All right, guys, you ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Lead story. Within the sound of silence. All right, that uh, young boy. And uh, I don't even think they know how old he is uh, at this point. Five to seven years old. Uh, he was found alone at Union Station. Unable to communicate, he's deaf. They think he's autistic, and uh, so well, the story is he's deaf, according to KTLA. But yeah, I guess Alex just said they, Alex they just found out they he's not deaf. He's when not did deaf. that? When did that? When would they determine that, Alex? Uh, they brought in an ASL interpreter, and then that person realized, no, he's hearing. He's not deaf. He's oh, interesting. Severely autistic and non-communicative. Okay, uh, because the story uh, until then was even the ASL person couldn't deal with uh, trying to get a communication. But okay, when was that story? By the way, just uh, uh, we'll. When find was it. it updated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just curious. Probably within the last. 20 minutes or so. I mean, it's Got a developing it. story. If anybody can okay. figure out who this boy is, go to our website. Okay. So there's an interesting part of the story that uh, people say, because he and, you know, race shouldn't be relevant, but it's only relevant to this point that I guess the, the child is black. And people say there was a black woman playing with him who then grabbed her bags and left. Disappeared, yeah. Now, it could have been an, uh, just a, a good Samaritan could. person who saw an unattended child sure. and then had to go. Or could be a, it could, could be a lead into right, who this connection. child is. In any case, on our website, uh, there's the photo and other information and who to contact. Because uh, he's out there. Family, they think, is out there and want to get hold of the family. All right. Well, let's talk more about that woman now who uh, tried to climb the Statue of Liberty yesterday. group that had been there they had unfurled this banner talking about you know they were protesting the immigrant family separations well apparently she sneaks away from the group like the group didn't even know she was going to yeah. do this and even they're going whoa 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 that wasn't part of our plan now she went rogue now everybody thinks that that's not a big deal you have someone who it's trespassing and they have to pull her down but here's the big deal you've got families there july 4th mm -hmm. that have flown across the country that have spent huge amounts of money where the highlight or one of the highlights is visiting the Statue of Liberty. They're all pulled off. You can't go there. You can't visit it, uh, which is why I think they. she's just, it's a misdemeanor for her. 25 to life is what she should get. People don't, uh, the, the authorities don't understand the severity of some of this stuff. For example, I'm a big fan of the death penalty for graffiti. Graffiti? Mm. Yeah, wow. vandalism. That's, That's correct. Strong... That's a correct. strong stance. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, okay. Hey, this is a very interesting twist on the whole families being separated issue. The Department of Health and Human Services wrote a letter to the chairman of the House and Senate Judiciary Committees, and they said, we can't reunite the families because we're too busy showing Congress people around our facilities. So that is some weapons-grade uh, crappiness. Yeah, that's pretty. That's a lot of chutzpah for them to say that. I love this. In the letter, incidentally, uh, it's described as roughly 500 hours have been devoted to facilitating congressional visits. 500 hours, that's it? I mean, think of that in terms of the hours, that man hours that are spent in simply dealing with this uh, hundreds of thousands of man hours, uh, if not more, 
dealing with uh, this problem, and they're pissed off about 500 hours. What it is, they just want to keep Congress people away. Yeah. That's it. And matter yeah. of fact, they've tried that. They have said that Congress people were not allowed in because of issues of privacy, because there were children, et cetera. Uh, you can't do that. When you have an, a, a congressional investigation dealing with a governmental program, uh, guess what? You're going to have to let those people in unless it is top secret. And you're talking about national security. And even then, the leadership has to be allowed to go in. There's no such thing as a top secret event or uh, practice or program that congressional leaders cannot investigate. You're talking about intelligence committee, the top people in the intelligence committee on both sides of the aisle. So much, so much for that. What a crock. All right, we're coming back with uh, plenty more. Lots going on today. Hey, Handle and the Morning Crew. And before we get to uh, Jennifer Jones Lee and Wayne Resnick and me, uh, the big story today, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot, but not a schwitz. It's not a schwitz. It's just hot. See, we don't have schwitz. They have schwitz on the East Coast. Oh, My God, yeah. it's a schwitz. Yes. By the way, for those of you that don't know what a schwitz is, okay, uh, a schwitz is effectively a steam bath. Uh, that is the name. These old Jewish guy goes, oh, let's go to the schwitz. And they sit down and they talk about, oh, did I have a bowel movement this morning? Oh, wow. that's terrific. That's what they, that's what old Jewish guys do. And, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm laughing because it's true. true. It is. It's true. It Oy, is. I can't stand it. So it's uh, so it's hot, but it's not a schwitz because we have a dry, dry heat. You know, I talked with the National Weather Service this morning, and they said, yes, we do have a dry heat. And, yes, we should be thankful for it compared to what they have on the East Coast. Except the uh, wildfires. Boy, could we use a schwitz. Yeah, they said we've got Santa Ana's that are going to kick in today. We've got temperatures today, upper 70s to low 100s, 10 yeah. to 15 degrees hotter yeah. tomorrow. Oh! Oh, good God. And then, of course, uh, it's a dry heat, which is uh, much more comfortable than a schwitzy heat, right? Yeah, dry heat is not a problem. Yeah, either is cooking, uh, is uh, baking cookies at 375 degrees. That's a dry heat too, isn't it? All right, let's just move on. Here's what you were talking about earlier. The DNA testing, the samples being used to try and reunite those kids that were separated from their families at the borders. Well, now some people are upset about that. Yeah, because of the DNA. So we want them released, but we don't want them. Uh, the, we, we, don't we don't. Want, we don't. We want them released, but we don't want to make sure they're released to the wrong people. Right. We just want them released. Released. Yeah. Out there. Let's take a seven-year-old and just toss them out because uh, you don't want to. Uh, you certainly don't uh, want them uh, released uh, to the wrong people. I just. You just said that, didn't I? I was going to go in another direction, but that's all you can say about that. All right. Is it because of consent? Is that what they're concerned about? Uh, that like little yeah, kids can't right, give pri- right to privacy because now uh, the government has uh, the DNA of these kids. It can be used to track them down. Hey, I've got news. Uh, at some point, the government is going to have the DNA of all of us. Every one of us born. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Any other questions you have? All right. You brought this up earlier. Uh, it's now a race against the clock to save those Thai boys stuck in the cave. 
uh, what makes the most sense is to take them out the way the rescues are coming in via the scuba diving. But have you looked at a map? Yes. Of what they would have to go through, two and a half miles turning, and then in some cases doing a long journey uh, under underwater. And in some cases, it's so narrow, they can't even bring the scuba uh, tanks on their backs. They would have to drag them uh, along because it's so narrow. And the fear is, first of all, none of them swim, although that doesn't matter. The fear is the kids are going to panic. And if they panic, man, it's all over at that point. They start thrashing around, and uh, the experts are saying that is a problem. Matter of fact, uh, even the divers are going to be in trouble if that happens. Because that's, that's a death knell right there if they start if they start panicking. So now they're drilling down, but it's a mile and a half down. How long is that going to take? Although they did it with the Chilean miners. And then the other fear is the rains that are coming. And uh, if it, uh, and they're already, and the water is rising, although they're doing a decent job of pumping it out. It could be that they just take every pump they can have on the planet and try to pump it out and at least keep the water Stay ahead of yeah. The, yeah yeah so it's it's a mess it's no easy it's no easy endeavor checking up on that wildfire in Yolo County it's grown to 86,000 acres but the containment has grown as well I mean it seemed like Wayne and I were talking about this yesterday. It seemed like the containment was just inching up. It was like 3%, 5%. Then suddenly it was 15%, and now it's 27%. So that's better news, although it is going to be hot up in Northern California this weekend, too. Uh, it's crazy. And the Santa Anas, or at least the winds, I think we have Santa Anas. They don't up there. And it is uh, kind of uh, nuts. Fire season is here. 86,000 acres. That's a, that's considered a massive big fire. What's the record? Uh, I think two hundred or three hundred thousand acres for a given fire. Yeah, we talked. Uh, I think we I talked about this once. Yeah. Uh, but then you have uh, fires. Well, there's how many fires are there? Sixty fires in twelve states, something crazy like that. Oh, right now, right now, oh yeah, Colorado especially yeah. right now has multiple major fires. Yeah, so that one's sixty. <clears throat> uh, this is eighty six thousand uh, dollars, eighty six thousand acres up in uh, uh, in Yolo County, and. Uh, I don't even know why we bother with a 63-acre fire. Maybe because it's just so close. You're talking about out, yeah, out in Riverside, yeah. there is a fire. There's about 120 firefighters, air tankers, and helicopters working on that one. Yeah, it's 63 acres. It's just that people are so nervous this time of year, and especially with, with our temperatures and our conditions that are happening today. It's the potential for it to go yeah. from something should, small to something devastating there, so quickly. There be, shouldn't there be a bar of which if you're uh, at... 800 acres or 1,000 acres, it's deemed to be reportable under that. Like and a sign at the amusement park. You must be this burned yes. to be reported. Absolutely. Uh, that one in Riverside County, 75% containment. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed it this morning when you left, but the smoke that just sort of felt like it was just hanging in the air this morning, well, it was no surprise when I read the headline, the 4th of July bringing some of the worst air pollution, and that's because of the fireworks. Yeah. It was just thick it's last that, night. It, you would think that it, it wouldn't change the air, uh, that the, the quality of the air, the air quality in Southern California with the fireworks. It does. It, for, it, it does. Starting at 8.30 last night, we heard fireworks, solid fireworks, until 11 o'clock. See, that's crazy. Mm. So what do we have? We have air pollution, we have noise, and uh, fingers flying around. Uh, on July 4th, more than any other time of the year. Let's take a break. Okay.
KFI Handle here. It is a Thursday morning, July 5th. Uh, actually, one of the big stories here in Southern California is the weather. It's not just a Schwitz. It's Schwitz Watch. It's going to be hot, but not a Schwitz. That's right. No Schwitz. It has to, matter of fact, we're going to do a Twitter poll. All right? Uh, at what, what point of humidity does it become a Schwitz? All right. All right. And Twi- can, so tweet at us at Bill Handel Show right. the, uh, the uh, humidity percentage at right. which it is officially a Schwitz. That's correct. Where there's a bar and it becomes a Schwitz. But, of course, it's related to the temperature. That's part of the problem. In, in other words, 100 degrees at 80% humidity, I think that's a Schwitz. Oh, but yeah. But 75 degrees at 80% no, okay, humidity so is not a Schwitz. Okay, so it's so it's a little more complicated than just a humidity level. I think okay, so. Okay, so you have to combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an algebraic equation. I can hear people just you, throwing their phones away. I, like, I don't have time to become a meteorologist. I know. This is, uh, this is we actually should have a, a meteorologist. Ooh. Oh, Let's oh Mark Thompson yeah oh, and can we, we can get add, him? let's can we get, get him? Mark and I can and we can ask Reach him that question. Him. Let's see if we can get uh, Mark because we have it's a you know the low pressure the high pressure bunch of questions. How do they know a week in advance it's going to be a hundred degrees out there? I've always sure. wondered about that. And so and then the Schwitz level, you know, at what point? What's the humidity slash temperature when it becomes an official Schwitz? And when's the last time Southern California had a Schwitz? That's right. We don't have Schwitzes. Right. That's right. Once in a while we do. Very rarely do we that's, have a Schwitz. That's true. By the way, I'm assuming everybody knows what a Schwitz is out there in Radio Land. It's Yiddish for a steam bath. What is it called when you're in a steam bath drinking malt liquor? A redneck schwitz? A schlitz schwitz. Oh, nice, Wayne. Oh, well Very said. Good. Yes. Right. And, uh, oh, here we go. A local weatherman uh, drinking malt liquor. It's a Fritz schlitz. <laughs> <laughs> schwitz. <laughs> we, can go, we can go on for a long time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, good old. Uh, oh, that was, I, now I regret starting this. Right. So it's Dr. Fritz Coleman. Uh, Dr. Schwitz. Uh, yes. Uh, all right. The greatest hits. Okay, let's just move on. Okay. Oh, Schwitz into the hits. Yeah. All right, stop. I said that to myself. Uh, hey, the Gallup people for the last 18 years have asked U.S. adults how proud they are to be Americans. And this year's poll, it was a record low. And I'm proud to be an American. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering. Uh, that's funny. Uh, I'm wondering how much Donald Trump has to do with this because uh, the uh, embarrassment of uh, Americans relative to the rest of the world with Donald Trump is pretty high, pretty not the not the base, mind you, but among Democrats. One of the things about Democrats was that, you know, under Obama, under George Bush, there wasn't an embarrassment factor about our president or the presidency. Now a major embarrassment factor is kicked in. Although, here's the thing, though. 47% said they were extremely proud, and that is down. 25% are very proud. 16% moderately proud. The 3% said not at all proud. proud. So it's not a headline that Americans are not proud. It's just some of the categories shift a little bit. And we are a nation of exceptionalists, and I've never, ever been into being exceptionalist, an exceptionalist being we are the best, we are beyond everybody else, uh, we're the greatest country in the world, which in certain cases we are. But Don't you we- think we are 
way up there in many, yes, many we areas. Are. That's correct. Uh, the judicial system and protections yeah. that we have. The, I, I know right now a lot of people feel that civil rights are under attack, but right. this government, yeah. True. not the Trump and administration corru- specifically, but the American government right. has super robust civil rights protections. Absolutely. And corruption, uh, governmental corruption, relative to corruption in other countries, there's none here. But then we start looking, medical care, we're really way down there. Uh, uh, infant mortality rate, uh, we're number 20 or 30, which is a just total embarrassment. Literacy rate, we're not anywhere near as high as other countries. So when we Well, even in those areas, though, we're higher than most. There's 100 and what is it now? Yeah, 80, but then, 90 but you're countries. Really gonna, are you going to call Yemen a country? Yeah, sure. Oh, please. Not, I'm not calling it a great you know one. What, you but... know the highest, uh, among the highest and the top two or three, surprisingly, is uh, Korea? In what? Literacy? In literacy, yeah. Oh, yeah. South Korea. It's, that is, it's yeah, really scary me. stuff. All right, let's move on. Joey. Joey. Hot dog. You said you're coming home for good. Hot dog. Joey Chestnut broke his own record at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island yesterday. 72, I think, was his prior record. Yesterday, he made 74, and he... I heard the interview with him afterwards, and he goes, Nah, you know, I was hoping I'd make 75, but nah, 74 is okay. And I called this it wrong. Ten, this is in 10 minutes. I know. Yeah. And I called it wrong. I don't know if you were... Oh, you had, you had left the news booth. It ended right about when the show ended yesterday, and there was a minute left, and he had eaten 60. And I said, well, he's not going to get to 74 in a minute. <laughs> he did. Well, yes, he did. And all this controversy yesterday, because I guess they misjudged or miscounted somehow. He grabbed a hot dog off a wrong plate yeah. or something like that, and it screwed the whole thing up. Well, anyway, bottom and line is small, and These are small people that do this. Yeah. They're all relatively small. Yeah, the woman, by the way, uh, Mickey, who won, she ate 37 hot dogs. We ate not even quite two last night and felt horribly. I'm like, how do these people eat 74? Well, at the Independence Day Parade in Annapolis, uh, staffers and alumnus from the Capital Gazette newspaper marched in the parade instead of covering it. And that's, of course, which after I, that horrible right. shooting at their newsroom. Which I think is a wonderful gesture. Sure. And so appropriate. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. And one guy, and I'm assuming it's a guy, had to scrawl the words fake news into a plank of wood yeah. uh, at the end no. of the parade route. But that's just one crazy guy. There's always one keck there, head yeah, out there who so just true. cannot possibly contain themselves. All oh, right. And we have this. Uh, do you let's, want to go on or you want no, to No, let's, let's stop right here and then come back and do uh, the poison story because sure. it is really bizarre. And we'll come back with that. In the meantime, I just want to be part of your Handle here on a uh, Thursday, July 5. Uh, some of the big stories that we are covering are uh, the uh, Thai boys. That's the big one, rescue, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, the Statue of Liberty woman uh, arrested because she's out of her mind. And there's an abandoned boy out there that they were able to pick up that is autistic, and uh, they just can't talk to him. So they're looking for parents. They found him at Union Station. All right, let's finish up Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And a possible another spy story? At least British counter-terror officials say a couple was poisoned by the same substance used in March against a former Russian spy and his daughter. Boys, 
strange one because there appears to be no connection except it's the same nerve agent, which is Russian. And the, the two incidents were less than 10 miles apart. So that's weird. That is weird. And they're in, it's so dangerous, this stuff, uh, that both of them are, both the man and the woman, are now in the hospital critical condition. And uh, the uh, spy and his wife, uh, Sir Guy Scripple and his daughter, uh, it was, it, no one thought they were going to survive. Mm-mm. And they both did. And did you did you notice with that one too? It seemed like no, they weren't going to survive, weren't going to survive, and then boom, both of them turned around pretty yeah. quickly. Well, the daughter first, if you yeah. remember. But it was just I a wonder, couple weeks later, her dad all of a sudden pulled out. I of wonder it. if there's permanent damage as a result of this. Oh, I don't. I yeah. had not heard that. I don't know. Well, uh, Ohio State University now has its own sex scandal. Another one. It's a team doctor for the wrestling team who uh, uh, allegedly would grope uh, the private areas, even if you were going in just to, say, get a refill of your medication. Right. He would uh, He would still say, got to examine your private area. Right. Yeah. And um, it was, well, I guess. Allegedly. What, I, I guess what makes this story uh, such a big deal is that the uh, assistant coach, who is now a U.S. congressman, is uh, knew about it or, or is accused of knowing about it. 1987 and 1991. All right, how many years ago is that? Boy, it just there's no limit now. Also, the doctor in there's... question is dead and has been dead for 13 years. Yeah, it's just it's so bizarre. I wonder how far back it's going to go. Teenage years. Someone could be 80 years old, and the uh, and the uh, accusation is going to be 68 years ago. This happened. Let's. Uh, it's, uh, it's. I wonder if it's going to calm down. What do you think? Do you think at some point this is going to calm down or this is the new norm? Well, I, I, at some point the pendulum will swing back the other way. But I think these cycles last maybe years. Yeah. So. Well, here, uh, Jen, tell us about this thing, which is very terrible and just happened. Yeah, there's a nationwide manhunt on right now for three men who are accused of rape and the kidnapping of two teenage sisters in Ohio. When you talk about teenager, 13 and 14 years of age, I would call them children. Oh, for sure. And uh, so... One of the suspects uh, is from Mexico. He was spotted Saturday with the two women in uh, at, at Walmart in Ohio. And people are saying, hey, you know, he was in this lightly colored car. Can you help us find him? All three men are classified as dangerous, but it's not clear whether they're all together. And one has uh, been arrested. One of the four has been arrested. Now, here again, uh, the the charge is unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. It's a misdemeanor, misdemeanor, $50,000 bail. And you would think unlawful conduct with a minor, uh, would that be, that seems to me a little light. When you think about this, mm-hmm. especially he's 27 yeah. and the girls yeah, are 13 just the and fact that they're a teenager, teenagers, you would think would be a felony on its face. You, I, I, I've never understood these statutes. Never have. Oh, no. They have a little problem at Rikers Island. You see, these three gang members murdered a 15 year old boy with a machete, and now the other inmates are threatening the gang members. <laughs> So they have to put them in isolate these right. three Protect gang them. members in isolation. Well, I've I've often said that when you have these child rapists or these child murderers, uh, instead of putting them in jail for years and years, just give them thirty days in general population. That's all you have to do. 
and they're done. You don't have to worry about feeding them. You don't have to worry about keeping them going or medical care for them. It's just just here. Here's 30 days. Who's going to argue with that? And the family's going to go, wow, that's terrific. Except they're going to be killed, which is a good thing. Well, gentlemen, if uh, you are hoping uh, your little soldiers can help you to make a little soldier of your own, uh, you might want to start eating nuts. Don't even want to touch that one with a a 10-inch pole. (laughs) European researchers have found a link between nuts and male fertility. And we're talking about almonds, hazelnuts, walnuts. Add those things to your daily diet. Apparently... When you do that, you tended to, at least according to the study, the guys it who did bail, it, what? It, it, it makes, uh, it increases fertility. Yeah. The other thing count. that does, and I, I don't know if I've shared this with you, is uh, so is the sexual excitement level of male when uh, ejaculating. The more the male is excited sexually. It's oh, phys- boy. It's, no, it's physiological. No, I know. It's science. Why, but yeah, still. it is. Why do you think, uh, uh, you know, God had invented orgasms? I mean, there's a reason for it. For fun, yes, that too, and uh, but it's all science. So now, now the ne- the new science is uh, nuts for your nuts. Oh, hey, uh, not getting along with your spouse? You better speed up those divorce proceedings, or it's going to cost you. One of the changes with the uh, Republican tax plan is uh, the tax break for alimony payments. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. If it's finalized, if your divorce is finalized after the end of the year, you will not be able to deduct your alimony payments. So you better get divorced right now. Now, is that still income to... Is that still income to the spouse that gets the money? gets the money? And I don't know, because then... Uh, it turns out that uh, the spouse that makes the money is going to get screwed beyond screwed if uh, the other side does not have to declare it as income and you have to not be able to deduct. I mean, it's it's a mess. That's just another total screw job uh, when you're dealing with alimony. Also, I think they get around alimony uh, and not call it alimony. Family support. Because I think child support is deductible still. Child I- Child support is... Uh, deductible, but there's something, I forgot the exact phrase. You're right. They don't call it alimony, but it's called like general support yeah, or something. some kind of where they combine And it's the not, two. that's not protected the same way that child yeah. support is. All right, we're done, guys. So much for that. Whoa, 17 stories. Good for us. All right, uh, how the Supreme Court vacancy has brought abortion to the forefront. We talked a little bit about that, but it is so beyond the story that we've been talking about. This, this is going to be the watershed issue. Uh, in the near future. I guarantee you. This is KFI AM 640. It's been one week since you looked at me. And this is uh, KFI Handle here on a uh, Thursday, July the 5th. Uh, the big stories that we're covering, uh, I think the biggest one out there, uh, internationally certainly, is uh, the rescue attempt uh, with those 12 boys and their coach in Thailand. And uh, we uh, thank goodness we found out they're safe. But now the rescue, uh, that is turning out to be a real bear of an issue. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. And then there's an abandoned boy out there. Uh, Well, he's been found. Uh, He was abandoned at uh, Union Station. He's autistic, and uh, they cannot communicate with him, so they don't know who he is trying to find a family, et cetera. Okay, now, midterms are coming up, as you know, 
And midterm, these midterms, the issues were the economy, health care, Obamacare and its lack thereof, and uh, President Trump's popularity. Uh, None of that is important anymore. That has all been dwarfed by the issue of abortion and Roe v. Wade. Now, uh, a couple things about abortion. uh, And also we're talking about uh, gay marriage uh, or not gay marriage per se, but uh, whether or not uh, cupcake bakers uh, can sell uh, marriage cupcakes to uh, gay married folks or those who are about to be gay married. All right. So the big one is abortion. Now, uh, one of the things about abortion, like any other Supreme Court case is uh, or many other Supreme Court cases is For most of the country, this is not the biggest deal in the world, practically speaking. Uh, Anybody who wants an abortion can actually get one. There'll be enough states out there where abortion is legal. California will always have abortions in the Constitution. I mean, it's protected in the Constitution, state Constitution. Remember, Roe v. Wade gets overturned. It's not the courts, uh, the Supreme Court, saying that it is a crime. Like prior to Roe v. Wade, it was in many states a criminal felony where doctors could go to jail for 20 years for an abortion. So uh, it's, it's, it's not that big a deal, practically speaking. Now, of course, it is a very big deal when it comes to the thinking of America And where America has come and gone. I mean, there used to be a point. Well, you know, I think it was Georgia was the last state uh, in which uh, sodomy, and we're talking about the anal intercourse kind of sodomy, was a crime between a husband and a wife in the privacy of their bedroom. We're not talking about going to Walmart and, you know, having sex with each other in the middle of the aisles here. We're talking about in the privacy of their bedroom. Now, I don't know how they were ever caught, uh, but that's not the point. The point is the law was on the books. And prior to 1973, of course, there were many, many states in which abortion was, well, actually, I think it was criminalized in virtually every state. I don't know if abortion was legal in any state. Can you look that up, please? Prior to Roe v. Wade, or when was the last time that abortion was illegal across the country? And, of course, that has changed completely because uh, the entire issue is the right to uh, privacy. And then coming up at 920, I'm going to tell you uh, a little bit about uh, a Christian legal powerhouse, an organization that you have not heard of. That's probably one of the most influential Christian organizations that has dealt with the Supreme Court in these cases. This is interesting stuff uh, coming up at 920. But in the meantime... Uh, We have issues uh, where it's going to be uh, under state law uh, just wide open. And then under other states, it's going to obviously be so restricted. Uh, For example, uh, it was uh, in June, the Iowa Supreme Court actually struck down uh, a required 72-hour waiting period before an abortion And uh, Christian conservatives were crazy that the Iowa Supreme Court did this uh, because, what, a 72-hour waiting period. You cannot get an abortion until you've had 72 hours. Think about it. And giving time. And let me tell you what what the thinking is. 
And that gives the anti-abortion people enough time to deal with the woman. You watch. Much like uh, there were laws on the books in states where they couldn't, uh, couldn't say no to abortion under Roe v. Wade. A woman has the right to an abortion. Well, okay, you can have, you can, you know what, you can have an abortion. But before an abortion, you have to look at a sonogram of the beating heart of the baby, of the fetus, and you have to look at it. And there was, see, I mean, there were cases where a woman averted her eyes, and uh, the law said you have to look at it. Otherwise, you're not entitled to an abortion. So the 72-hour waiting period is just another way because that is just a way to do an end around. As I've been saying for years and years, that it there it, what it is is not a frontal attack on Roe v. Wade, although may, that may happen probably in the next court. But we're talking about little bits and pieces. You chip away at it. It's the death of a thousand cuts. And uh, so uh, you're going to see that break wide open, even if the court on its face does not undo it, but un- but uh, allows all these other bills. And up to this point, even uh, you had uh, the courts of southern states say there was an undue burden on a woman. If you're looking at Roe v. Wade being a constitutional right, you can't put an undue burden. For example, there were cases, and uh, we've talked about this before, uh, in which, sure, you can have an abortion. Of course you have. You have a right to an abortion. But it has to be within 30 miles of a hospital in which the doctor has to have uh, privileges. And if the hospital doesn't give privileges, which many hospitals would not, to a doctor who performs abortions, uh, hey, we haven't stopped you. There's just no abortion clinic there. Or outpatient abortion clinics had to have a much higher standard effectively had to be licensed as ORs before an abortion could be completed. Even if there were much riskier procedures that the outpatient per, uh, the outpatient clinic could in fact do without the level of the OR requirements. Anything to get in the way. And of course that made no sense because uh, the laws in terms of uh, the proceed, the uh, privileges and outpatient uh, rules of OR rules were simply were simply there on their face to make abortion as, as difficult as possible. That's what they are. Now, they claimed it was for the woman's health. But if it's for the woman's health, why do you allow procedures that are a lot riskier in outpatient clinics? But when it comes to abortions, uh, you the requirements, uh, the medical requirements are far higher for, quote, uh, the health of the woman. Anything they can do to get in the way. And for the most part, those have been overturned. They've been shut down by the judiciary. It may blow wide open. And that's what you're going to see. And uh, the vote, for example, even Susan Collins of Maine, uh, Republican, said, I am not going to support a nominee that will overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, that's everybody. Senator, that's every one of those justices. Are you going to go south on that? Look at the political pressure. All right, we're going to cover a lot more of this over the next several weeks. And, of course, the uh, Supreme Court justice is going to be named on July 9th, four days from now. Okay, coming up, Europe on the edge over the Trump-Putin summit. 
And uh, it's Trump with his best buddy, Vladimir Putin. Just ask him. This is chaos. Come with me now. Come with me now. Handle here. On a uh, Thursday morning, big stories that we're covering today. The Thai boys are trying to figure out a way how to rescue those kids from the, that cave. And that's not e- that's not very easy or much easier said than done. And the LAPD is seeking the public's help in locating the family of that young boy found alone at Union Station yesterday. And it looks like we only have uh, four more days before we get our, well, actually the president nominates the next Supreme Court justice. All right. Now, what's going on in Europe? Well, we do know that coming up, uh, there is a plan. There's going to be a meeting between uh, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, and uh, our president. And this is right after a meeting in Europe. And the question that's being asked, even in with Europe asking the question is, uh, will the president bring up the meddling the Russian meddling in our election, and not just ours. Russia is meddling in all of the elections throughout Europe. They're actually frightened of Russia interfering with their elections. We're not. And why? Because our president says it's not true. It just doesn't exist. Even though every single Every single intelligence agency existing in the United States says, man, the Russians not only interfered, they riddled the entire election process with fake news, with bots, with all kinds of interference uh, in terms of uh, where we're where we're getting our news. And uh, there were chat rooms. I mean, anything that would question Hillary Clinton and uh, support Donald Trump. And he's the only one that says that's simply not true. But then climate change doesn't, it, it isn't part of his world either. And it's interesting because, well, he has, it's a NATO meeting and he has questioned NATO that we really don't need it. It's not a good thing. And NATO, particularly Article 5 of NATO, that's the big one that says if any one of the NATO countries is attacked, then the other NATO countries will come back and they'll defend. An attack on one is an attack on all. And that has been, I mean, that has been the literally the stone, uh, the bedrock of uh, the NATO agreement, which was uh, created after World War II. And it was to... uh, actually to fight off the possibility that the Russians were going to attack Germany, uh, particularly very frightened of the Russians coming in, which is why we have so many troops in Germany to this day. And the president said that's no longer viable. And interestingly enough, the more that the Russian government does in terms of interference in our basic election process, in terms of interfering with our society, the more the president likes him. The more the Russians or the more the Europeans get together, uh, the less the president likes them. It has gotten so bizarre. Our friends have become our enemies. 
And our enemies have become our friends in the world of the Trump presidency. And it is a total disconnect. Kim Jong-un is a terrific guy. And just look at what he has done. He has stopped the testing. He has blown up one of his facilities, his testing facilities. In the meantime, you look at what the intelligence community is saying. He is building right now. He is increasing his production facilities. Here are the satellite photos. Trump ignores that. Why? Because he had a good meeting. He had a good meeting with Kim Jong-un. And as he says, Kim Jong-un said he was going to do A, B, and C. And if he says it, it must be true. Same thing with Putin. So our allies are a bunch of liars. Kim Jong-un and Putin are good guys that will keep their word. And when Putin says, of course we didn't meddle with your election, the president goes, absolutely. My intelligence, my government is wrong, and you are right, because you said it. Same thing with Kim Jong-un, where his personal meetings, it gets, think about this for a moment, that his personal meetings with these enemies, if they're talking friendly, then anything else they do doesn't matter. What's the important thing is that the president sat down with these guys and they looked at him and said, we are not screwing around with you. We are not your enemies. We're your friends. And the president comes out and goes, see? See what they said? And I believe them. It's scary stuff. It really is. Europe is just spinning And they've even talked about a NATO without the United States. And the United States is literally the heart of NATO. It pays for most of it. Now, a few things President is right is that we're paying way too much. If we're there to protect the various countries in Europe, then they should pay more than their, they should pay their fair share, which they don't do. But short of that, good God. And what's going to happen if Kim turns around and, in fact, abrogates any agreement that he makes? I guarantee you that it will not be the president's fault. You know who's who's going to be to blame? Either Obama or Hillary Clinton will be the ones that have destroyed uh, any possibility of peace. Coming up, Jahai McMath, the civil case. And this one is not only civilly interesting, it has a lot to do with our morality and our definition of what's death. We'll be back with that. All right, Jennifer. KFI. Sorry about that. That last little sip, right? Handle here on a July 5th, uh, Thursday. And the big story that we're covering is uh, how are they going to rescue those 12 boys and their coach from that cave in Thailand? This is the first rescue I can think of where they knew where the people were, where the the, uh, 
the trap, folks, and it may be more dangerous to get them out than actually leave them there. All right. Tomorrow, Jahai McMath is going to be buried. And once again, the issue of brain death is part and parcel, actually probably the most important part of this story. Quick backstory. In Oakland, Jahai McMath went in for a simple tonsillectomy. Something went very, very wrong and she came out of that surgery with uh, brain death. I mean, she was dead. Her body was still working, but she was brain dead, which in California, once it, uh, a doctor has determined that there is brain death, or the hospital has, then it's over. That's a dead person. It's that simple. Now, it turned out that the family didn't believe it, particularly the mother, and decided that uh, let's go someplace, and it turned out, New Jersey is the only state in the union that can, because of religious basis, it's very strange, not accept brain death as brain as as death. Forty nine states say you can't do that. If you're brain dead, you're dead. It's that simple. But in New Jersey, you can take a different turn. So off they went in New Jersey, and Jahai McMath uh, lasted about five years which in and of itself is a medical miracle because uh, she was only supposed to last a few weeks. Dr. Jim Keeney, and I'll never forget, we were talking about it, and he said uh, it really doesn't make any sense to take her to New Jersey because she's going to be dead within weeks anyway. Well, uh, that went out the window because she was able to survive for five years. And uh, the mother, her mom, always insisted that not only was she not brain dead, but she was communicating and would do so with her fingers and expressions. And uh, mom was totally delusional. I mean, completely delusional. But it's a mother that's hoping against hope that her child is not going to die the way she did or continue on. There was always hope for a future. And, of course, there wasn't, because whether or not the jurisdiction wherever it is is okay in not determining that brain death is dead you're still brain dead i mean it doesn't change the physiology of it so there is a lawsuit that's pending and two things are going to happen uh, and both of them have to do with the definition of brain death one of them is the lawsuit for medical malpractice and the lawsuit is going to be in california and california the law says you know, there are no medical expenses after death. You don't have any. And if you do, for some reason or another, that's your issue. Because we will not accept medical damages keeping her, quote, alive when she's already dead. Effectively, you're, keeping, you're, you're pretending that a corpse is alive. And you can't come back and sue us for medical, uh, for medical support. You can't do it. And in New Jersey, she was still alive until she just died. And now, uh, th- now even mom admits that she's completely dead. Her body st- stopped functioning because one of the things uh, about brain death is that the autonomous system, nervous system, can still survive. I mean, even just uh, the system in the skeleton, which is how a chicken, when you cut its head off, can still run around for half an hour. I mean, how is that possible? And you can't say there's a brain there. Well, you can't say there was a brain there to start with. But you can't say there was a brain there. And Dr. Jim explained because you have the basic 
functions that are uh, that are in the bottom of the brain, the brain stem, and the uh, the what's going up and down the spinal cord. I, and I'm trying to get uh, medically. Don't uh, nail me on that one because I'm paraphrasing what Jim said, and I'm hoping I understood part of it. So that's one issue. That's uh, whether or not there's going to be money paid. And it really doesn't even matter because here's the problem is that even if, let's say, a million dollars awarded for the medical care, the state of New Jersey gets it. They have a lien because uh, under uh, the state of New Jersey and Medicare, which is submitted through the state, they paid for her cares because she's entitled to that under the law. And they're saying, we want to get it back because it's a third-party uh, payment. That's what happens. The state is entitled to be uh, to be paid when there is a third-party payor. Third-party, in this case, being the hospital. Because remember, it's a malpractice issue. And then the other issue is simply defining what death is. Is brain death dead? That's actually up in the air again, which I don't get at all. And now they have doctors saying, nope, that's not dead. If you're, if you're functioning... If you're breathing, if your if your heart is still going, you're not dead, and it almost doesn't matter whether it's a functioning brain or not. Now there are doctors out there who'll say anything. You know there are anthropologists out there, there are scientists that will say evolution is a myth, that it doesn't exist, that creationism is uh, the way that man is evolved, that we there is no proto-human, where there was a split between the great apes, the primates, and man. You know, Neanderthal man and Homo sapiens and all that. All of that is crap. Scientists are saying that, now not many, and you're talking about some wackos, but there's real scientists. They're doing the same thing. There are scientists out there. Now, there are very few and far between. Same thing with autism. I mean, there are doctors out there that say there is a connection between autism and uh, the uh, vaccinations, even though the overwhelming scientific community, I mean overwhelming to the point where it's 99.9%, say, what are you talking about? Well, the same thing here, where the overwhelming medical community and 49 states say that this is death. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Uh, there's always some crazy stuff. So, the case is going to go on. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen is that the, the lawsuit will happen in California against the hospital, against the doctors who performed the surgery, which, by the way, they did malpractice on their fa- on, on its face. The only issue is going to be the uh, medical costs from the time she was declared brain dead till the time she actually died, where her body actually shut down, which is, what, a week ago now? And so... They're going to lose, although there's one interesting sidebar, and this is from the Mercury News up in uh, the Oakland area, and that is uh, they're saying the death certificate was never signed by a doctor. And that's interesting because does that change anything? It might. It might. Now, that's technical. It's going to be a technical issue, I think, but it may change uh, the way this lawsuit goes. All right. The point is, Jahai is going to be buried tomorrow, and at least the part about death is, that's gone. That argument is gone. All right, coming up.
Is God a man or a vegetable or a mineral? What do you think? Is God rutabaga? Uh-oh. Here we go. Okay, here we go. A religious argument. (laughs) Alex, get out of the room. All right. Uh, KFI, Jennifer. Handle here on a Thursday morning, July the 5th. The big story around the world is uh, the rescue of the Thai boys and how they're going to rescue these kids. And that is very much up in the air. All right. The Episcopal Church is debating uh, to change uh, the Book of Common Prayer, its Bible, which is basically the same Bible. It's just there are minor changes. You got the King James Bible, which changed things around. And uh, the Episcopal Church uh, is deciding, is it going to change its Book of Common Prayer, the Bible, to um, decide whether God is a man or not? Maybe God is a woman. Maybe God is non-gender. Maybe God's a hermaphrodite. Both male and female. Maybe God is trans, goes back and forth. Emails in terms of uh, my blasphemy go to uh, Robin Bertolucci at iHeartMedia.com. But... It does say something about where we're going in modern society and the Me Too movement. And incidentally, I'm not talking about the Me Too movement in uh, its influence here uh, in a vacuum. Uh, We're talking about uh, people, for example, Chicago Bishop Jeffrey Lee of the Episcopal Church uh, says uh, in the culture, this whole Me Too movement has really raised in sharp relief how much we need to examine our assumptions about language and particularly the way we imagine God. Now, God historically has been male. And why is that? Is it because God is really a man? Really is male? Probably not. It's because uh, we have uh, grown up, modern society is uh, paternalistic. Right? Men control. Men control and have controlled forever. Probably back to the caveman days. When it was the man who went out and hunted and uh, had the uh, the big bat that he would bash his mate on the head if she complained. God, whatever happened to the good old days? Handle. What? <laughs> Move on. Okay. In any case, so we have a history of male uh, male domination. Now, do we need that anymore? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, we've reached the point in society where does brute strength really count? It does not. It's brains. Certainly, it's will. Uh, It's almost anything other than brute strength. We have machines that do the brute strength. And so this concept of women not being equal to falls by the wayside. I remember the first time there was a, uh, a female fighter pilot. They made a huge deal about that. You know, it makes sense. What, a man is, for some reason, more likely to be better at working the machinery of an airplane and dealing with G-forces? No. So we have come to the point where is God, I mean, should God be any gender? When they talk about it, it's interesting. When I ask what God is, 
Very few people think that God is that bearded guy at the top of the Sistine Chapel. And by the way, who's really ripped. Have you ever noticed God's in really good shape? This guy works out. He really does. He's got those abs. I mean, you know, he's got the pecs. I mean, he's in, you know, he's good. He's in good shape. Is that God? No. Most people think God is a spirit. Uh, that God is all-encompassing, that God is certainly more than uh, what a man looks like, although you have the fundamentalist uh, Christian folks, even the fundamentalist uh, Jewish folks, who say man uh, is made in the image of God. Therefore, he looks like this ripped beard. He looks like a Santa Claus in really good shape. He looks like... He's going to be the fourth member of ZZ Top. So the move, emails to Robin Bertolucci at iHeartMedia.com. You have no no idea how uncomfortable we are right now. Well, I mean, let me ask you, uh, Jen, is is your version of God a a male? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Now, uh, do you think that that happens to be societal, or is that just the way... It's the way you... I was brought up. See, there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's... When I say my prayers at night, and I do every single night, but now I lay me down to sleeps, in my mind, that's what I'm saying them to. And does God... Is is God... Does he have a... Do you have a vision of God? Do you know what God looks like? I mean, the in same In your thing. mind? In my mind, he's the same guy everybody else has seen, you know, with the beard and the robe. In my mind... That, But that's just what I've done since I was a little kid. Well, hold on a minute. Have have you seen uh, a picture or have actually been to the Sistine Chapel? I've seen a picture. Yeah, God is nude. There's no robe there. No, no, no. I just mean like of the... His private parts are are, are covered up. (laughs) I don't think of God like that. Oh, by the way, let me ask you this. Do you think God is particularly well endowed? More so than mortals. Robin Bertolucci at iHeartMedia.com. We're going to leave that one alone, okay? We're done. We are done. We are finished. And uh, a success from scratch coming up. You're going to meet the co-founder of Meathead Movers. That's a great story. This is KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 handle here, and it's time for a success from scratch. Brought to you by Lifteek. Look years younger without facelift surgery. Go to lifteek.com. I want to introduce you to uh, a young man uh, by the name of Aaron Steed. By the way, Aaron, how, how young are you? I forgot to ask you. <laughs> I just turned 38. Okay, so, uh, but let's go back to 1997 uh, sure. when you and your brother. Uh, where you were high school junior and freshman, and uh, you had uh, a tough time finding uh, part-time work. You were both student-athletes. So uh, tell me what happened and how you started this company of yours. Yeah, I mean, it was back then just a labor service. So I wrestled. My brother played football. And when we were in high school, our friends' parents would ask us, would you mind helping us out? We need to move. And we would just say, sure. And the deal was real simple. Pay us whatever you think we're worth. And so how much so, did you usually get? <laughs> anywhere from 20 bucks and lunch 
to a uh, hundred bucks in lunch. You know, I've and always I'll tell you back. Go ahead. Oh yeah, back then uh, minimum wage was four twenty-five. All right, so that was pretty it, good. So it seemed like a fortune. Yeah. yeah I've always wondered though, uh, you know, people who uh, move, help uh, people, other friends move for lunch, for pizza. And I go, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm going to work all day right. for you for pizza? Yeah, you give me a break. But people do it. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, now you got some money. So uh, you started a business. Tell me, tell me how that happened. So basically in 2001, after we'd been in business for four years, I had about 40 of my friends working with me. And uh, then something happened where, uh, our phone lines got turned off uh, from our competitors, and they uh, thought that our we were operating illegally, but we weren't. So we didn't have a PUC license. We're just a student-athlete labor service, and you need all professional moving companies that are going to be transporting clients' goods on uh, public roads need a PUC license. So what they did is they went there and they said, hey, these guys are operating illegally. But at the time, being teenagers, we didn't have the time or money to really fight against it. So, so how did you – but wait a second. If you were in the moving business, how did you get around the licensing requirements? So being – we were just a student labor service starting out. Uh, so we weren't driving the truck on public roads. But then once well, you know, what did you do? Sidewalks, people's private property. <laughs> well, how, do you, how do you get from A to B without driving on public roads? The customers would drive the U-Haul. Oh, so you would just physically put the furniture onto the U-Haul, and then they exactly. would drive. Okay, got it. All right, that gets around it. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't have the time or money back then to fight like the big van line companies, the United, the Beacons, the Mayflowers of the day. So uh, we decided to, hey, you know what? We're going to get our license. We're going to become a professional moving company, and we're going to make our competitors feel bad that they did that to us. So how did they – who was it that shut your phone lines off? It was, was them? It was the phone company? It was an order of the government? Yeah, it was an order of the government, the Public Utilities Commission. All right, so there you are, and you have to. And you've decided you now have to have a real business. So you go out and get a license. How difficult is it to get one of these licenses? Very difficult. Uh, we had to take the test. Uh, we passed it when we were 18 years old. We're the youngest people to get it. And then the hardest part is we had to save up $25,000. Oh, got it. To collateralize the workers' comp policy, and um, yeah, so it was it was very yeah. very difficult. Let me ask you a quick question in terms of licensing a movie a moving company has to get. You had to take a sure. test, like where to put an end table on a truck? <laughs> no, mostly to do with uh, contracts and resolving claims. Okay. How to present the pricing, uh, when you can do a change order. Uh, and, and it actually does make sense, and it's really designed to protect uh, the customer from moving companies that are trying to take advantage of them. So what is the when you first started as a business beyond just uh, you know give me a pizza and twenty bucks? Uh, yeah. How many employees did you have? Was it just the two of you, you and your brother? Yeah, and three or four of my friends, and then it just slowly started growing. And what kind of marketing do you do? Our best marketing is word of mouth. Uh, that's obviously the easiest. Uh, are you talking about as of right now or when we first started? Well, obviously, when you first started, you had no money to do marketing. But uh, right. right now, well, right now, you've got how many employees and how many cities are you in? You've got a real business here. Yeah, yeah. 
No, we have uh, 750 employees, and we have offices all over Southern California and Central California, um, and uh, about 110 moving trucks. That is, I mean, that's insane. Uh, and these yeah. are full-time employees that you have? Full-time, part-time. We, we're still hiring student-athletes. That's what makes us different is the student-athlete mover. We believe they're the best movers out there. And, uh, yeah, it's going really well. Our customers love our service. Wow. Very, very impressive. I have to tell you. You know, usually, okay, how many employees do you have? I expected you to say 40, 50 employees. And I go, that's pretty impressive for a moving company. 750? I mean, this is real stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. So where are you uh, physically? Where's, uh, well, where's the headquarters? Uh, In San Luis Obispo, which is where we started. And uh, we just opened up a mini storage facility in Oxnard, California, not too far up north. And uh, we're working on another one in Central California right now, too. So we're trying to get into the mini storage business. Wow, good for you. And I'm looking at a list of uh, current and past meatheads, which is what you call your guys. Uh, Jordan Beck, linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Chris, uh, is that Gokong, Gokong? Uh, yep. Playing for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, just uh, David Richardson, Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it just goes on and on. Great. Good for you. It's very exciting Thank uh, you. how you do this. All right. If someone wants to get hold of you and have you move uh, their goods, meathead movers, how do they get hold of you, Aaron? Yeah, best way is through our website, and you can get a price there, too. It's meatheadmovers.com, or you can call us toll-free at 866-THE-MEAT. Boy, that just sounds so good, 866-THE-MEAT. You sound like an Arby's ad. All right, meatheadmovers.com, or call 866-THE-MEAT. All right, Aaron Steed, thank you so much for joining us. I love stories like this. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Yeah, all right. Bye-bye. Take care. This is uh, KFI AM 640. Handle here on a Thursday, July 5th, at the bottom of the hour. Of course, handle on the news, late edition. Big story we're covering today, the tie boys. That's the major story around the world. Uh, the rescue attempt is trying to be put together, those boys in the cave. And it's not going to be so easy, to say the least. All right. A topic that uh, near and dear to my heart and has to do with in vitro fertilization. As you know, not only have I done this for a living, but as you know, my children were born of in vitro fertilization. Yep. People know that by now. And so I'm going to bring IVF to Sudan. Well, not anymore, because Sudan is dead. He died in Kenya, so big deal. He was the last male northern white rhino on the planet. And there are only two female white rhinos that are known to exist, and uh, they are now in Kenya at a reserve where they're guarded 24 hours a day by armed guards. So... There are unfertilized eggs that have been harvested from the female white rhinos. And what they want to do is take uh, Sudan's sperm, of which they have some. Now, let me tell you something. Getting sperm from a white rhino, I mean, that's no trick or no easy trick. 
I mean, it's not the same as getting sperm from guys, if you know what I mean, for in vitro fertilization. When my kids were born of in vitro fertilization, oh, man, was it a messy one for my wife. Now, women have to go under uh, anesthesia. Uh, They have to be given these incredible uh, super ovulation drugs to uh, enable a lot of eggs to be created. Uh, It's no fun. It's painful. There's a lot of work. Guys, not so much. Now we go back to whether God is a man or not. You tell me that God isn't a man when it comes to creating children via IVF. My wife's in the surgical room in the theater. I'm handed a magazine and told to go down the hall. God's a man. I'll tell you right now. But let's move over. See, I always go off on this tangent for some reason. Because whenever we talk about my kids being born, it's in vitro fertilization. And it's always in my mind. All right. So what they do is they have unfertilized eggs. This is in the journal Nature Communications. That now unfertilized eggs that have been harvested uh, from the two uh, female rhinos. And can they be then fertilized by frozen sperm uh, previously collected from northern white rhino males that were still around. And so assuming this happens, the embryos can grow uh, to the blastocyst stage where they can then be implanted in the uterus of a surrogate female. It really, If they're close enough, the species, then a, a female that is not particularly that species can carry... Uh, a pregnancy to term, although it's never been done in this case, so really they don't know. So, okay, that sounds easy, right? I mean, it's done hundreds of thousands of times per per year when it comes to uh, to people, folks, like me and my wife. But uh, it's going to be a tough one in this case. There are still several hurdles to clear. Why? Well, uh, first of all, they have to transfer the embryos to a recipient mother, a surrogate. That's easy, sort of. And then the embryos develop to a fetus and then a healthy offspring. And you go, okay, we have the technology. So it's uh, assisted reproductive technology uh, that might very well play a role in the species conservation. It's been around since 1970s. 1978 was the first test tube baby ever born. Louise Brown who I happened to be on a television show in England in the early 80s. And I must tell you, Louise Brown is probably the most stupid human being I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, dumb as a box of rocks. Uh, Just happened, I'm just giving you a little inside baseball here. All right? It was just, it was one wild television show. Of course, everybody is screaming at me uh, because I'm such a horrible guy. Well... Uh, At this point, there's only three species that are vulnerable in the world that have actually been aided by assisted reproduction. The black-footed ferret, the famous black-footed ferret. It's like the blue-footed booby, right? Uh, The giant panda and the Asian elephant. So the only way that the northern white rhino is going to survive is through this process. Okay, easy enough. But let me tell you what happens with northern white rhinos. Uh, the ovaries of uh, the female white rhinos are about six and a half feet inside the body. 
So the animal goes under anesthesia, and then an ultrasound machine is used to guide a very long needle into the uterus, which incidentally is exactly what happens. Well, they don't go into the uterus uh, with females, as in human females, but it's a long transvaginal needle that is used to go in through the vagina, through the cervix. I mean, it's no joke. And then uh, looking for the ovaries and puncturing them and then removing the granicular fluid uh, to look for the eggs, of which there are many, hopefully, because of the superovulation drugs. Eh, just in case you get asked that on Double Jeopardy. All right. So uh, the needle goes in, puncture the follicles, and hopefully dislodge the eggs. Never done it before, so they don't know how it works with the rhino. Then, to achieve fertilization in the lab with the frozen semen, which, of course, they have to, uh, they have to defreeze, thaw out the human, uh, or in this case, the rhino semen. Uh, you know how they do that, by the way. <clears throat> it's in a microwave oven, and you push the defrost button. Okay, maybe not, but that's why I'm not an embryologist. All right, so the semen is a very poor quality in this case, and there isn't a whole lot of it. So they've tried this already, and it just didn't work. But when they zap the eggs with two electrical pulses right after the sperm injection, uh, then, you know, that seemed to have worked. Now, that I didn't know before. So if it turns out that this is that this does work, then the fate of uh, the northern white rhino is uh, going to be on the survival list instead of the extinct list. And we're actually watching a species go extinct under our very eyes. And so they're trying it. However, uh, they have not yet received permits from the Kenyan government to do this work. They have to get a permit. But hopefully they'll have them by the end of the year. And according to one of the scientists, uh, they have formally said they will give us the necessary support. How can they not? How can they not? It's the it's last chance to keep the white rhino uh, alive. And then if they get a few, then uh, you have uh, hopefully the species then comes back. It's like the California condor. They were down, I think, to, what, a dozen of these condors that were left in existence. Now, it wasn't technology. It was a breeding program that was done uh, within a uh, a cage, uh, a whole, uh, was it just a cage? It was a very large cage-like contraption that they used. That let them fly around a little bit, but obviously they were in a secure area. And they've come back. How many do they have now? Uh, California condors. I think they have several hundred, but they were down to the last handful, and they're able to bring it back. Now, this is even trickier because you have the last male rhino dead, gone at the age of 45, and the two females who are infertile, by the way, although now it doesn't matter. Well, no, that's not true. They could have used artificial insemination with the sperm. Now it's 160. Wow. That's it. 160 California condors out of what, half a dozen that were left when they started the program? Okay. Uh, just something I want to share with you. I love this stories like this, you know, the technology part. I've been dealing with this IVF business since the 80s. All right, we're coming back with Handle on the News, late edition, right here, KFI AM. <laughs> 
Handle on the News. Late edition. Handle on the News. Tell everyone. All right, everyone, gird your loins. And now, here's Bill Handel. Handel here on a Thursday, July the 5th. Big stories that we're covering. A big one, of course, the Thai boys, uh, the 12 boys and their coach in the cave in Thailand, trying to figure out how they're going to rescue them, and it is a nightmare. Mike Pompeo is uh, on another trip to North Korea, and he's being pressured to return with some kind of results, some kind of progress. So we'll see. In the meantime, let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee. Wayne Resnick and me, lead story. There was or there is a boy that was left alone at Union Station and the authorities trying to figure out where the parents are, where the family is. He's responsive, but he is unable to speak. He is autistic and uh, they, they sign language didn't work. Uh, originally thought he was deaf, but it turns out he's not. And uh, he was just left there. And there's a description and everything because they're trying to find the they're trying to find the family. Uh, he is uh, six to eight years old, uh, brown eyes, braided, dark colored hair. He's African American, and he was wearing a blue down jacket, white tank top, beige pants, gray tennis shoes. When he was found, uh, if you have any information or we'll give you information, go to kfiam640.com. The keyword handle. Oh, while we're at it, we also have an Instagram, don't we? That we did this morning. Yes, quite a surprise happened on the show earlier. And yep. then it's kind of a doubly good post because people can see the surprise. But now and then they should really read the comments thread on this post, which I normally don't hype the comments threads on the post. But this one's pretty good. It gets very sassy. Okay. At Bill Handel Show on Instagram. All right. Well, it looks like we've got a short list now when it comes to Supreme Court picks. Oh, we knew it was going to happen. Uh, there are now, uh, what, uh, six people? Well, he's interviewed seven. They say it's down to three. But I just saw on CNN that it looks like he could make the pick today or tomorrow. Still not announce it until next Monday, but that he might make the choice today or yeah. tomorrow. He actually, uh, the, he interviewed six and he interviewed one of them twice. Okay. And that's where the seven comes from. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. And one of these picks... Uh, is already, potential picks, is already drawing a backlash because far-right conservatives are saying he's too establishment. Oh, is that Kavanaugh? Yeah. And it was Rand Paul. Wait a second. How can you, wait, wait, wait. How, considering that uh, they're all from the appeals court, right? They're all from the circuit uh, appeals court. And uh, how is that not establishment? Well, that's they don't want them. That's what they're saying. They want. Oh, I see. You're saying all of them are establishment. All of them are are establishment. I guess he's not. uh, They're worried he won't be right enough. Who knows? Maybe nomination of David Duke is going to do it. Who the hell knows? (laughs) Well, you don't have to be a lawyer, right? That's true. Uh, Wow. Russia says that uh, England is dumb if they think they're behind the latest nerve agent contamination if you're gonna be dumb you gotta be tough right specifically somebody at russia's embassy to the netherlands got on twitter 
and said, how do they think we are to use this so-called Novichok in the middle of the World, World Cup? Cup? And you know what? That's a very good point, except it's Russia. And yes. if anybody's going to pull that off, it's going to be Russia. Now, the British authorities have not accused uh, Russia of any involvement. They have not yet put it together, even though it's the same uh, agent uh, that's uh, it's a nerve agent that only comes from Russia. And uh, the working assumption now is that uh, somehow these two people were poisoned by traces of the last uh, infection of uh, those uh, of that nerve agent of the Although, spy and his can, daughter. You know, yeah. come on now, can, like leftover. Can, yeah, but can it last that long from March, ten miles away? Yeah, I don't know how long that can last. That stuff. I heard that um, Russia said, "Hey, we'll help you investigate how this could have happened," and Britain said, uh, "No, yeah, thanks. I don't think so." Yeah, but then. Some one of the British officials was on TV saying, "We're still waiting for a phone call from Russia to explain what they know." Yeah, so I'm not sure what this is doing in that relationship. Oh, look who says he'd be President Trump's worst nightmare if he were to run for president. Uh, you know, from what I see, he did absolutely nothing wrong. Guess who? Michael Avenatti uh-huh. is saying that he might run for president in 2020. And he suggested, well, a couple of things. Uh, If Trump seeks re-election, which of course he will, uh, and there's no other candidate that would be able to successfully run against him, that is Trump, then Avenatti may step into the fray. Has he graduated, uh, Avenatti, has he now graduated to delusional? Uh, Here's what he says, and here's the point. Uh, Those that claim that only a traditional politician with experience can beat Trump, look at 2016. Oh, sure, but not him. Well... Yeah. Not, no. Would you have guessed it was Trump? More than Avenatti. Uh, uh, right. It's the difference between 0% That's chance true. and, and you know, yeah. at the time when he announced, I thought he's got a 1% chance right. of getting in there, uh, President Trump, but he did. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, talk about Trump and attorneys. Uh, we have a story about Michael Cohen. This is KFI. And- it's not just a Schwitz, it's Schwitzfest. It's going to be hot, but not a Schwitz. That's true, actually. It's hot, but it's not a Schwitz. We don't get many Schwitzes here in Southern California. Schwitz being a steam bath, Yiddish for steam bath. You know, old Jewish guys. Hey, let's go to the Schwitz. Hey, I feel hot. I'm going to feel hotter when we get out. All right. Uh, handle on the news late edition as we finish it up with Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And attorney Michael Cohen has edited his Twitter and LinkedIn biographies to remove the reference to being the personal attorney to President Donald J. Trump. Cohen, me, Cohen, you. He's got oh, this looks, this has all the hallmarks of him gearing up to flip. To flip. Uh, going on ABC and saying he puts right. his family and his country before his loyalty to the president, getting a new attorney. Now this. And also he did a big thing about I, the FBI's great. I don't have a problem with the right. FBI. They're very professional. They were very nice to me. Yeah, his problem is even if I, they find nothing, although he's under indictment for a lot of stuff. So I think he's going to go down to some extent is even if it turns out there's nothing there, the guy's wiped out. He's done. That's true. His of, his career. Well, not only his yeah. career, his money. Unless they end up 
It's his not charging. If they go through this investigation and and he walks out without any charges, then maybe people say, oh, well, they didn't find anything and he's okay. But how's he going to get back his three, four, five million dollars? Oh, no. It's going to bankrupt him. And inability to work this whole time. Right. So it's uh, it's tough. Who thought this was a good idea? A headline that says immigrant child still hoping to achieve American dream of better cage. This is the onion. I know it's yeah. the onion. I know. No, what I'm saying still. is, all you have to do is say this is the onion. I know. And it's just, it's delicious. What do you think about some of these other onion headlines? Ice agent trying to think of fun name for jail cell before locking up immigrant child. That's lovely. My favorite is the uh, Huckabee Sanders Huckabee. one. Exacerbated Huckabee Sanders reminds press corps that children under 14 can't feel pain. Oh. I love that. That one. I mean, it's just, that's yep. the onion. Is it harsh? Yes. Yes. Is Is satire harsh? Yes. Yes. Uh, Now, this is interesting. Uh, Some attorneys are saying that ICE officials are pressuring parents who've been separated from their kids to sign a deportation form where they have to choose whether to be reunited with their children before they're deported or just be deported without their children. You're as cold as ice. And if you look at the form... Sure looks that way. Well, that is what it says. I think the controversy is this. The form says it's for people who've already been given a final order of removal. You have no case. You're done. Right. The attorneys are claiming they're giving this form to people whose asylum proceedings are still going on. Oh. That they're trying to pressure them into thinking that the only way they'll ever see their kids again again. is to agree to just leave. And also you have to keep in mind that uh, these people are particularly vulnerable. I mean, when you talk about the folks that are uh, in in the entire world that are a part and parcel of the ICE deportation, uh, that once they're in that that world, once they're in that net, uh, they don't speak English. They're not entitled to an attorney if they're not criminally charged, which doesn't look that way in these circumstances. And they're easily scared. And there's a culture issue, too, which we've never talked about, and that is when you're talking about a Latino culture, particularly sensitive and scared of authority. There's an authority issue there, which we don't have, where we will will question authority. It doesn't exist down there in Latin America. It's uh, it's a whole different world. So, uh, yeah, I can see the pressure. Well, it looks like supplies have reached the boys soccer team that's trapped in the cave in Thailand. I mean, for as, as much as they can anyway, the video that we've seen recently from the boys, I mean, they all seem so incredibly positive. They're smiling, showing the peace sign, showing prayer signs. Well, think of this. There they are. The rescuers are there. And uh, the doctors are there. They're bringing food. They've been able to talk to their parents. I don't know if they appreciate the risk of what they're undergoing, that it yeah. is life-threatening and they're teaching the divers are teaching the boys how to uh, how to dive underwater. And I'm just reading about uh, if they panic, how much trouble they're in, because there is one part of the swim, which is a mile of which there is no place where they can go up. It's not as if these are open caverns that you're going to go through. It's a mile of this passageway of which 
uh, there is only the air in the tanks. And if you panic and start thrashing around, uh, it's over. And even the divers have said that. What You know, we have to hope that they don't appreciate Right. How serious it yeah. is, because because if if they don't, that may mean they don't panic. Maybe. And maybe they quiet them down. Maybe they give them enough drugs, uh, Valium or uh, literally just this side of uh, anesthesia to where they're loose, they're relaxed, and then they can be dragged. I don't know. I'm not an expert, obviously, on this. There have been relatively few Thai soccer team members that I've rescued out of a cave in Thailand. Well, uh, 17 people have died up in Quebec because oh. of the high heat and humidity. Mm. Most yeah. of them were over 50, male, and lived alone. None of them had air conditioning. Yeah. And although the temperatures were in the mid-90s, the heat index was well over 100. That's what usually happens. Whenever there are deaths, uh, in, we, we read about, I think, last year in Chicago, there were half a dozen Elderly people who were in the homes without air conditioning had sweaters on because they were so delirious yeah. and had no idea what was going on. It's a tough way to go. It really is. Because it, generally these people are alone. They don't have family members or friends that are going to go in and uh, say, hey, you need some help here and drag them to uh, some kind of facility that has air conditioning, which all the cities do. Uh, they have places where there's air conditioning or they can treat these folks. That's why they're saying even with our heat wave that's here starting today, if you've got a neighbor that you don't even, you don't know well, but an elderly neighbor, you know what? It's not going to hurt you just to go knock on their door and go, hey, just wanted to check up on you. Bring them some cold water. Make sure they're doing well. There was a dad who was killed while protecting his kids from a polar bear in Canada. To dance with my father again. They were fishing and uh, this bear approaches the family and he, the dad died putting himself between yeah. his children and the bear. Well, those are the most vicious, horrible creatures, polar bears. I mean, you don't want to get anywhere near polar bears. I mean, they're that massive and ornery, and they're just, uh, I mean, they're, they'll kill you. They'll eat you. And why would you, well, that people do a uh, spot for uh, hunting and fishing, and that'll kill you every time. You know that? And then finally, a story about a Texas mother arrested. Oh, you want to do this? All yeah, right. real quickly. Yeah, a, 26, a 29-year-old woman arrested. She supposedly sold her 7-year-old boy to two men and was trying to sell her 2-year-old daughter and a 3-year-old girl as well. Now, come on. Let's At first glance, this seems horrible, doesn't it? Selling your 3-year-old? And at second glance and at the hundredth glance, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. I get it. Fine. See, I kind of hoped we weren't going to do that story. <laughs> okay, let's just uh, let's yeah. just get out of here. Yeah. All right, yeah. uh, Trump's hot and cold relationship with who? Uh, North Korean Kim Jong Un, greatest guy in the world. Just ask him. KFI AM six forty. And I think it won't be as young, young time till Trump pounds Kim with missiles. He will find. Or not the dust that that kid has at home Oh, no, no, no These are Rockets Mine Oh, yeah Rockets Mine I love that What a tremendous intro every time we do a North Korea segment, huh? Handle here and the morning crew on a Thursday, July the 5th uh, The big story that we are covering today, of course, the Thai boys 
uh, that have been found, and now they're trying the the experts, the rescuers, trying to figure out how exactly that's going to be done. Other big stories: Monk, uh, Mike Pompeo is on his way to North Korea, and he's facing a lot of pressure to return from the trip with tangible signs of progress on the denuclearization process. Now, we still don't know what that means. As far as uh, the government, our government is concerned, verifiable, complete, verifiable, irreversible denuclearization. We have no idea what the North Korean interpretation of that is. It's probably not going to be anywhere near the same. So uh, a quick word about the relationship uh, between uh, President Trump and Kim Jong-un. And as I said earlier, it's on a complete turnaround as far as uh, this presidency is concerned. Our allies have become our enemies. Our enemies have become our allies. One of the greatest people, Vladimir Putin, uh, great guy. Of course, he did not interfere with our election. That's what our president says. And Kim Jong-un, well, look at the, look at the difference here. Uh, it was fire and fury. Remember that? When the two were screaming at each other? And it was, everybody was scared. I mean, we thought that the uh, North Koreans were going to unleash. Not necessarily the United States. I don't think they'd be that crazy. But certainly, uh, possibly an attack on South Korea, much like they did when uh, the first Korean War broke out. In fact, the only Korean War broke out. In any case, so what is going on? Well, the one-day summit meeting last month in Singapore, the president has done a complete about-face and saying of uh, his conversations, many good conversations with North Korea, it is going well. And he wrote this Tuesday morning. And even uh, North Korea continuing work on that new nuclear reactor that can produce plutonium, weapon-grade plutonium, uh, that has not diminished uh, President Trump's enthusiasm for Kim Jong-un. And he's arguing that that means little compared to the tone of the conversation. So even though North Korea has not disassembled a single weapon, the mission has to be ju- his mission has to be judged a success. Why? Because he had a, con- a good conversation with Kim Jong-un. And that is the definition of success. Forget about everything else. And so now it's uh, the job of Secretary Mike, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who knows, by the way, the North Korean program uh, intimately. He's a former CIA chief. He knows this stuff. And he's the one that now has to show how he can get the North Koreans to go beyond uh, the agreement uh, that John Kerry, Secretary of State, achieved in negotiations with Iran. And uh, the president rightly has called that deal a disaster for years and uh, two months ago pulled out of it. Now, here's the problem, is that North Korea, very sharp negotiators, obviously, cut a deal that if they were to get rid of their nuclear weapons, uh, their uranium, their weapons-grade uh, plutonium, I think, in this case, where the experts are telling us they don't even have the capability of making one nuclear bomb. First of all, they never had a bomb to begin with, unlike North Korea. And second of all, part of the deal, lifting sanctions, allowing their oil to be sold on the world market, allowing the money of theirs that was frozen here in the United States back to uh, Iran 
for all of that, they gave up their nuclear capabilities. Uh, now, the deal that was cut did not include their missile testing and their support of terrorist groups around the world. That's where President Trump is saying it's the worst deal, and it is. Now, the argument back then, uh, this is during the Obama administration, the argument back then was that this is the best deal we can have and we're averting nuclear war. Nuclear, nuclear war. I, I guess you can say that. But here's the problem that we have. We abrogated they, a written treaty. Well, it wasn't a treaty, an agreement. A written agreement with Iran who, in fact, uh, lived up to the terms. Didn't matter. So now you have Kim Jong-un, who not only has not stopped the manufacture of his weaponry, now we're being told, and if you believe the satellite photos with the intelligence agencies, he is continuing to build his nuclear capability. And you go, so why is he a good guy? And Iran are still the bad guys relative to the agreement that was made that they lived up to it. I think it has to do with President Trump saying, I sat down with the leaders. And I took a look. It's almost like George uh, George Bush saying, I looked into his heart and I knew it was okay. Vladimir Putin. I call him Vlad. You know, these guys are so far uh, above your pay grade. Well, not your pay grade necessarily, but so you're not in the same league. George W. Bush is not in the same league as Putin. Certainly President Trump is not in the same league as Putin. Putin manipulates world affairs like a master chess player. I mean, the guy is brilliant in how he's able to do all of this. And frankly, I believe our president is a patsy when it comes to what's going on. And I'll go further than that. Even I think that Kim Jong-un, you know why? And I don't necessarily think that there's an issue of smarts here. But I think it's an issue of that Kim Jong-un has no, no problem looking right into the face of the president, lying through his teeth. Everything he says is a, uh, a, an, an, a, an advance towards what he want, where wants it to go. And anything he can get from the United States, he is going to get. By lying, by cheating, it doesn't matter. And I think the president looks at him and believes that there is a moral basis how can you look at me and just lie like that? Well, that's what you're dealing with over those people. Interestingly enough, the only people that didn't lie were the Iranians in this one. They maintain their they, they maintain the deal. I mean, go figure. Uh, sometimes I just don't get what's going on. All right, coming up. You know what's happening, of course, in uh, the Supreme Court, where conservatives are conservatives are winning like crazy, and it's only going to get a lot more with a new court. Well, there's one Christian organization that really is at the forefront of all this. You haven't heard about him, but I want to share with you who they are and what they do. KFI AM 640. Handle here on a uh, Thursday, July 5th. Uh, coming up at 10 o'clock, uh, Brian Suits in for Gary and Shannon. It's summertime. And uh, the catfish are eating you, or however the hell that works. I have no idea. In any case, Handle here and uh, the morning crews and big stories that we're covering. Of course, the Thai boys 
in the cave in Thailand. They're trying to figure out how are they going to rescue those kids and their coach. And it is no easy feat. Mike Pompeo on his way to North Korea again. A lot of pressure. He better come up with something. Uh, Even a definition of denuclearization as far as the North Koreans are concerned. Now, uh, it is such an issue with the Supreme Court. Usually... It's a big deal whenever a Supreme Court justice is nominated and confirmed or not. Except this time around, it has become probably one of the biggest deals that I can remember uh, in my lifetime looking at which way the court's going to go. And that is the next Supreme Court justice who is going to flip the court. It was four to four with Kennedy as a swing vote. The swing vote is gone with the retirement of Kennedy, Justice Kennedy. And it is going to be a conservative justice. And the only issue is it going to become a very conservative, a wildly conservative, or beyond belief conservative that is going to be sitting on the court. Any way you paint it, the makeup of the court, the flavor of it, the outlook of the court is totally being reversed. Well, there is an organization you probably haven't heard of called the Alliance Defending Freedom. It's an Arizona-based Christian conservative legal nonprofit known as the ADF. And uh, let me tell you some of the cases the ADF has been involved with. Maybe you've heard of this one, Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Yeah, the Colorado Baker in which it has been described as a win for uh, the cake shop owner. It is not. It is a loss for the Colorado Civil Rights Commission because the court ruled that they were simply wrong. The Civil Rights Commission was wrong in using religion as a basis for making its decision. So it's going back. And that issue is going up whether or not A business can say no to gay marriage based on religious beliefs. And it gets kind of interesting because at first it's, you know, it's pretty narrow, I have to tell you. Uh, This has to do with gay marriage. Even those florists and bakers are fine uh, having gay people as customers. I haven't heard of one that has gone to court arguing that I won't serve gay people because my religious belief is that homosexuality is wrong and God doesn't want it. They're not going that far. It goes as far as gay marriage at this point. We'll see how far it goes. And that's where it stops. And then the argument is not only is it my belief that gay marriage is not appropriate and I won't help, it also has to do with uh, artistic expression. That was a legal argument also that was brought up. It was not the entire, it was not the issue of I'm not going to serve people with gay marriage. I'm not going to serve them because my art, I can't serve them because my personal artistic expression. Now that gets really interesting. Why is that? Well, It's describing what artistic expression is. Keep in mind, the limitation is artistic expression. So, for example, uh, the lady who uh, is head of the ADF is in front of the Supreme Court. It was in December. 
And so they bombarded her with uh, some questions. And it had to do with artistic expression. So um, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, said, okay, how about a pre-made cake in the cooler? And Wagner, this woman said, uh, uh, no, that's not expression. No, have to sell. We'd be more than happy or the uh, baker or anybody should sell a pre-made cake. Well, how about the person who designs the invitations? Well, that's expression. Well, how about the hairstylist? How about the menu designer? How about the jeweler? Well, it depends. So who else then, uh, the justice asked? Say the person who does floral arranging and owns a floral shop. Is that expression? See, the court has not yet, because this went back. Remember, the court has not yet ruled on whether or not this, whether or not you have a right to do this, uh, not uh, deal with uh, gay marriage based on artistic expression. That one still has to be decided. So it's where and how far it's going to go. I'll tell you which way I think the court's going to go. I think it, it, the free expression business is gone. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an issue. Of course, they're going to say free expression. Uh, they're, and they're going to, as a matter of fact, expand, expand free expression. And the argument of religious belief, uh, that's a done one, too. I mean, the court's going to uphold the religious, uh, the religious exemption in about two seconds. Now the issue is how far down does it go? Is it just expression or is it can a florist, a baker simply say, I will not deal with gay people at all because of my religious beliefs? And that's not a frivolous argument, incidentally. It's not just people who just don't like gay people. I don't like them queers. No, it's not that. I mean, I believe it is truly religious conviction. They are taught and they believe that homosexuality is a sin. It is a perversion as far as them, they're concerned. And if they sell to homosexualities, they become part and, parcel, uh, part and parcel of it. They're abetting a sin against God. Uh, that's what's going to go. It's going to go on big time. Oh, they were also involved in the Hobby Lobby case in which uh, Hobby Lobby, privately owned company, can say, nope, we're not going to pay the insurance premiums for insurance coverage uh, that will cover you for contraception. Uh, that's not going to happen. And uh, the ADF regularly sues colleges for creating safe spaces, saying that's a First Amendment violation. Uh, they won't call it birth control. It's abortion-inducing drugs. Oh, big fans of um, the uh, transgender students using their chosen bathrooms. Nope. That's all about, if you want to use a bathroom, let's look at your birth certificate. And that's the bathroom you're going to use. Can you imagine that? I want to use the girls' bathroom here, the women's bathroom. Girls, I'm thinking of school. And I, they won't let me in until I show my birth certificate. Right there, Wilhelmina Handel. Coming up, a new kind of education reform. This one is fun. Uh, when it comes to going to school in a totally different way. And how do I describe this? As uh, How about a crock? Okay, is that a good description? Coming up, KFI AM 640. I'm watching me.
uh, Thursday, July 5th, uh, the big story, the Thai boys that we're covering and you'll be talking about and you'll be hearing all day over the next several days. How are they going to rescue those kids? I mean, the rescue uh, even attempts are so hideously dangerous. They don't know which way they're going to go. Mike Pompeo, our secretary of state, on his way to North Korea. He's got to come back with some definition of denuclearization. I mean, he just has to. All right. Uh, education. I mean, who doesn't believe in education? Who who cares more about education than any parent out there, for example? So let me tell you what is going on. And I love this works for college, but for grade school, junior high school. So what am I talking about here? I'm talking about personalized learning. And what is personalized learning? Teachers spending more time with a given student. Parents homeschooling their kids. I mean, that's about as personalized as you're going to get. No, no. We're talking about the students themselves deciding the curriculum or or part of the curriculum. You go, wait a minute. It's a customized path, so students learn at their own pace. Okay, I'll buy that. I don't have a problem with that but in a manner that resonates best with them, tailored to their interest. And the big one that makes it all this happen is computers. I mean, that is the technological ability to do this. So without computers, this couldn't happen. So here's the question I have, and it's, it's an interesting question. And that is a very basic premise. And what is the purpose of education? Is it to forge a thoughtful citizenry or to equip students for jobs or both? And in what percentage? And there is a given. I think there is room for personalized uh, education, personalized learning. But that's after the basics have been learned, reading, writing, arithmetic. I mean, that's you have to have that. How about speaking English? Appropriately, you think that helps? How about understanding basics? Like, why is the sky blue? Which I really don't know. I have to ask that question. Why is the sky blue? Why are oranges orange? Hmm. Anyway, those basics, I mean, they have to be learned. Because you can be a a thoughtful citizenry and not be equipped for jobs. How do you eat? For example, people that get master's degree and PhDs in philosophy, which is terrific. I mean, that's great. Get a job now. Right? Versus the kid who graduated high school and has a six-month degree or six-month certificate in how to repair an air conditioning system. Okay, well, but I have a PhD in uh, philosophy. God bless you. Or medieval English. I love that one. Boy, how's that for a degree that's useful? Now, In terms of college, it's a very different animal. I have known people, and I know of college programs, where people create their own majors. I mean, really obscure different ways of looking at life in which they want to uh, just have a major that makes no sense to anybody else. Can't even think of any at, uh, at this point, but there are some out there. But that's after going through high school, after going through middle and elementary school and learning the basics. At the end of it, that makes sense. But at the beginning of it, what does a junior high schooler know? 
about what's appropriate and what's necessary or not. And moreover, right, uh, personalized learning uh, is based on what interests the student. I mean, like magnet schools. But underneath it all is the premise that you have to learn the basics. This is not learning the basics. Learning the uh, basics is secondary to this. So according to this, students would not be recipients of lessons, but would be the drivers of lessons. They take the lead and some responsibility. They work with teachers to create learning plans. They reflect on their progress. We're talking about students now. I mean, do you give students that much leeway? It's, you know, the, uh, here's the example. I'm a parent and I'm raising my kids. I'll let them determine what I should do in raising them. I'll let them determine what's important to me, what values I have, and what how values uh, I and Marjorie want to instill uh, in them. I mean, it's it's crazy making. I mean, I just I just don't get it. But incidentally, this is this has some movement to it. It's not just uh, school. Some school administrators out there, you've got school districts, states embracing it. Teachers Union cautiously endorsing it. I don't get it. Maybe I'm an old, you know, old school guy where I really want my kids to be able to add, you know, write a write a check in a checkbook, understanding what it means, what interest rates are. Well, in my case, of course, being you know Jewish, of course, they understand what interest rates were. They knew that before they could talk. They knew that before they could walk, actually. Okay, coming up, uh, more testosterone. What does that mean for men? Hmm, how about more luxury items? How does testosterone connect to Rolexes? I'll explain. KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones Lee. Makes me giggle because it makes me think about my husband. We are not Handle here as uh, we end the show on a uh, Thursday, uh, July the 5th. Oh, by the way, after the show today, it's Thursday, but I think I'm going to switch it to other days. We're doing Handle on the Law, uh, Marginal Legal Advice. So if you'd like some advice from me, we're doing it right after the show uh, for future broadcast off the air. And I'll do it for an hour. And the number is 877-520-1150. So who is it that says... uh, Get your phones ready. Be poised to call 877-520-1150. All right. I want to end the show with a uh, study that has just been done. And I kind of like this one. This is uh, researchers from the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, where uh, Donald Trump went to school, incidentally. He went to Wharton. And it's considered one of the top business schools, if not the top business school in the country. Anyway. So uh, the researchers administered a supplemental dose of testosterone to a large group of men and then asked them to look at pictures and descriptions of five pairs of items, watches, jeans, jackets, and asked, which one do you prefer? Connecting testosterone with their choice. So uh, here were the choices. It, between cheap and expensive, that's an easy one. Everybody wants an expensive watch versus a cheap one. 
So I'm sitting here looking at my Timex that cost me $28 about five years ago versus a Rolex. Uh, whoa, what would you rather have, Handle? Uh, okay, I'll take the Rolex. But this is a little bit different uh, because they broke it down to these questions. Uh, would you rather have a watch uh, that is highly resistant, resilient and sporty, considered powerful, or one that is luxurious and prestigious, high status? Which one was more important? A pair of jeans. Uh, choose between a pair that's well-made and long-wearing quality and a pair that is fashionable, brings you status. So what was it? The big issue is status versus strength and power. And which way do you think that would go? Jen, you talked about this uh, with your husband. Which way does Scott go? Status or power, manliness. What do you think? Jen has left the building. Oh, but I'm sorry. no, I, it's it's okay. But I I do think it's it's status and power. Uh, no, no, no. It's one or the other. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, I believe status. Status. Okay, you'd be right. Oh, status is more important. And that was uh, to the men that were given more testosterone. Wow. Yeah, more status. And uh, you know, for example, pair of jeans. Right, I look at myself, and what do I? What am? What's in? What is it for me? I'm just uh, being curious because I can look at myself. I look in the mirror, and I'm all about status. S the the more status I have, the better I feel. And they didn't even have to inject you with anything, right? Well, less. I don't have much testosterone to begin with, but uh, <laughs> status. My twenty eight dollar Timex, status. My fifteen dollar cargo shorts from. Uh, Costco, status, T-shirts, underwear, socks. Mandals do not come from Costco because they don't <laughs> have mandals. I have them. But it was interesting because while you say status, most people, most of the researchers guessed that it would be power and manliness, especially when you're talking about testosterone being injected, being introduced into their body. So... It's status enhancing is uh, every bit of it. And uh, there's something called situational elevation, too, uh, in testosterone. And uh, men experience that uh, during and following sporting events, for example, in the presence of attractive mates, uh, following meaningful life events, graduation and divorce. And there... Male consumers are more likely to engage in what is called positional consumption, uh, where status-related brand communications are more appealing. It's during those special times where it is really elevated. Right? Graduation, divorce. I don't get that because you would think divorce alone in of itself you'd want power as opposed to status. Who cares about a status during a divorce or cares about status during a divorce? Well, here's another one. Uh, marketing professionals, and this is uh, really interesting in terms of status, right? Marketing professionals, known this forever, attractive women on the hoods of expensive cars. Uh, the watches, status watches, who do they put them on? Victorious yacht racers, for example. You've all seen those. The ads, you know, yacht racing, uh, the World Cup. Well, there you go. Uh, 
someone's wearing a Breitling or a, a Rolex. Very, very few of those wear Timexes, for sure. How about real estate magnets, magnates, who attach their name to steaks and wine and ties? I wonder who that would be. By the way, uh, Donald Trump intuited this years ago. I just saw a documentary uh, last night about Donald Trump. And he figured out branding before there was ever branding of individuals. Branding was just Campbell's soup. Branding was craft branding was craft cheese. No one ever figured out or very few figured out that branding was an individual. And he figured that out 50 years ago. Okay guys, we're done. So coming up it'll be Brian Suits filling in for Gary and Shannon today. I think tomorrow you said Mo is filling in. And I'm taking phone calls for Handle on the Law starting in just a moment or two. And I'll do it for an hour off the air for future broadcasts. That'll be marginal legal advice. The phone number is 877-520-1150. 877-520-1150. We do this again tomorrow. Going to be hot out there. I mean, hot. That was a hint to uh, John. Doesn't have that ready. It's hot, but it's not a schwitz. All right, Brian, real quickly, you came in a little late. Just just a quick hello. What are you doing this morning? Uh, yeah, plug in, plug in. I don't know. I guess getting thrown under the bus by you there, pal. Yeah, yeah. Been 10 years. All right. And you do that? Yeah. So what are you, what are you talking about today? Um, Mike Pompeo is in North Korea trying to pull the irons out of the fire and also the... Uh, uh, the, the British with another, you know, case of the Russian nerve gas, and they may play each other in the semifinals of the World Cup. Mike Pompeo and uh, the British, plus that triple murder that you've been covering all day long from last night. Westlake, three uh, dead. Yeah, uh, which I haven't been covering <laughs> all day long. That's, that's a, joke. a joke. See, that's him being. Uh, yeah. So just, we'll we'll break the news. I bought right into we'll it. We'll break okay. the news from uh, last that's night. That's coming up. Thank you. Eight seven seven five eight seven seven five two zero eleven fifty. Handle on the law. Coming right up. All right. You have a good one, Brian. Have a good show. Handle and the morning crew, KFI AM at 640.